Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Today, we're going to be diving into money on starting a private practice podcast. In this episode, we are going to be answering some of the top questions we get about financials when you are starting your private practice. In our last episode, we talked about the financial plan and starting, and now we're going to answer even more. I'm so excited to talk about this. Like these are like the juiciest questions. And I think they dive into the heart of one of the main issues that if therapists don't wrap their mind around it, that it's kind of make or break Mm -hmm. for private practice and for clinical outcomes, which is there. So I'm excited. I've got this list of questions in front of me that Kelly has not seen. Um, Well, I have some too. So you better (laughs) share. share. What if you have some of the same ones? I think we'll figure it out. All right. Be okay. All right. So here's a question. Hey, I developed my fee. Mm -hmm. Um, I did the math, like you said, and it says I should charge way more (laughs) than my clinical supervisor is charging or anyone else that I know. In fact, like it feels like it's charging like like, like the, this, this amount is just way too high. I can't do it. I can't do it. What do I do? Right. I think this is, you are not alone. Whoever put this question out there, this is so common. First, just take a deep breath and regulate, you know, check in with your body and your heart this number that you develop, where did it come from? What does it mean? Before we jump into, is it possible? Let's talk about how you got here and why that matters, because this number is created based on what it really does take for you to start your practice and to be successful in a way that allows you to do the work in a sustainable way. For many of you, this number means that you could retire. It means that you could afford to get sick if that were to happen. It means that you could take a vacation. It means that you could see the right number of clients per week without burning out. That's what that number means. And I think on the other side of it, what does it mean if I don't charge that fee? Yeah. It means that I'm not taking vacations. I'm coming into work sick. It means maybe I'm seeing more clients than I can really see. It means that I I'm not following up on my progress notes or my paperwork. It means that I'm falling asleep in session. It means I don't remember my clients from session to session. These are real things that are happening to real therapists. And then what ends up happening is that then people feel all the shame mm-hmm. because they know that they're not fully showing up for the work. They don't feel good about it. But at the end of the day, like just because you changed your mind, about your fee that didn't change any of your expenses. Right. <laughs> right. Like I understand if you have, if you have the privilege of saying, you know what I houses, I could have a really nice house that was $600,000, but you know what, there's a great house over here. That's $250,000. Or I have a great rental. That's in a great safe neighborhood that works for me. That's only 2000 instead of 4,000. 
And like, you can make that decision to, to downsize or to, again, live in a safe way. I think that's great. But I see more therapists who that's not the case. They're already living really simply. Like most of us were in grad school um, and doing our, like we've been underpaid for a really long time. A lot of us have significant credit card debt and other things because we, like what we've been being paid has not been sustainable. So it's not even just like the cost of living right now. It's also like some catch up from you know, getting paid $10 an hour for six years while you're getting your, or working your hours free. or working for free. Yeah. So if there is, you're not comfortable with your fee, the first step is to get comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. After you've established the why behind that fee, how do you get comfortable with it? Some mirror work. You look in the mirror, you say it over and over and over until you're sick of it. Mm-hmm. You talk with people who love you and support you, saying the fee to them over and over and over until mm-hmm. you're sick of it. Um, and I and I actually have like if you're struggling, let's say you say my fee is one seventy five. My fee is one seventy five for a fifty minute session. My fee is one seventy five for a fifty minute session. And like let's say you're doing this for like a week and it's not getting any better. Just start. This is going to sound kind of crazy, but go ahead and just go up to two hundred and say. <laughs> My fee is 200 for a 50 minute session. Do that for a week and then go back to the 175. <laughs> and then the 175 doesn't seem so bad. It doesn't seem so bad. So <laughs> it's uh, true. There's a, there's the, you can play a fun little game um, with yourself, or you might even, as you're chalking with that new fee, whatever the, the bigger fee is, you might go, actually, maybe my body was rejecting that old fee because it actually wasn't even what actually wasn't high enough. Right. I really do. I, I still wasn't putting, I wasn't putting money aside for retirement with that old fee. I still wasn't able to get out of income repayment for my student loans with that old fee, all of that. Right. I think it's hard to charge a fee you don't believe in. So this Mm -hmm. is really important to energetically be aligned with the fee that you are going to charge. Yeah. Also recognize, like we said in the last episode, you don't know why other people charge what they charge. Mm -hmm. You have to, comparison is the thief of joy and it will wreck you if you sit here and continue to compare. Yes, I do believe that sometimes there are thresholds of what you can charge. We -hmm. have clients though that charge 450 an hour Mm -hmm. and it works for them. Mm -hmm. And in some areas that may not work so well, okay, Mm -hmm. And there are some clinicians who realize what I really need in my life and my situation is going to require more than just one-on-one. But we are talking about when you are starting your practice about what that core service is going to be. And I think, and I, and I, and we could even do this as I have a cue, but this is really important. Your core service, your one service should pay your bills. Yes, it should. It This should not be, uh, I need multiple streams of income to pay my bills, to make sure that I'm paid, to be able to have vacation and retirement. Maybe you need multiple streams of income to get that really nice house. Maybe you need multiple streams of income to pay your kids to go to the Ivy League college. Like maybe you need multiple streams of income for that. But for your basic living and like in survival and like sustainable mode, one stream of income should be sufficient, y'all. Yes. Preach. Yeah. So you you understand the why, you get comfortable with the number, and then you start having the calls with people 
when you have an initial consult and saying that fee and energetically holding the space of if it's right for them, it will work out with ease, finding mm -hmm. the ease here. And if it isn't, that is okay. I will provide a referral mm -hmm. and I'm going to find the people that are a right fit for me. Yeah. Okay. So next question. <clears throat> what if I don't feel like my fee is accessible? I want therapy to be accessible, Kelly. I do too. I really believe in that. You know, I've seen some therapists do a pay what you can afford model. I've seen some therapists do complete sliding scale models. Again, those often come from a place of privilege mm -hmm. that they have a partner who has an income or they live in an area that doesn't have the cost of living that other areas do. Um, I believe even if you don't have those privileges, you can make this accessible. And there's lots of ways to make therapy accessible beyond burdening yourself and your livelihood and setting you, you up for burnout. So yeah. one of those ways is looking at <clears throat> group therapy. So group therapy, very effective for people. Mm -hmm. um, and it provides a a rate for the client that is more accessible. And actually the therapist often will make more per hour mm -hmm. doing therapy that way. But group therapy is a great way to increase accessibility. I think it's also really important to, to realize that when you're creating something, sometimes it feels inaccessible because your finances have been like, you've been in such an inaccessible right. place that yeah, that's a great you're you you were like well I can't even afford to pay my $20 um copay so it can feel really inaccessible because you have been in such a financial strain for so long I think the other part too I love the idea of or like giving back to the local nonprofits that are set up with grants and other things to make therapy accessible I looked several years ago um all nonprofits have to um, put their their finances publicly. And so I went to the two major nonprofits that provided um, free or actually sliding scale counseling um, in my area in Stanislaus County. And when I saw the millions, the multi over $10 million, I think it was $17 million between two nonprofits and they were doing sliding scale. And then you compare that to your own budget and you go, wait, Am I trying to fill the gap, right? What $17 million couldn't do between these two nonprofits that have been around for, you know, 30 years or collectively, and I'm going to do this with right. me, myself, while I'm not taken care of, right. what does it look like for me to donate back? Or maybe I can donate an hour for supervision, or I can do something else, or maybe I can even just go and see someone sliding scale at their establishment right. and not get in the mix of it. I would rather see someone go and donate five hours a week to a local nonprofit mm -hmm. than see you um, kind of take your business and cut it off at the knees so that you're never financially okay. Right. I, I um, donate to an organization at the time of this recording <laughs> called Loveland Foundation. They support um, therapy for Black women and girls, and they pay the therapist actually a 
fairly decent rate. And they screen the clients, they handle the uh, financial side, and then they pay the therapist. So that way it takes the therapist out of the whole sliding scale process. Mm -hmm. In our how to set fees training, we do talk about how sliding scale can actually be inequitable and how there can be bias. And so and when you volunteer for an organization, it does really remove that. Some therapists still continue to have a sliding scale. We recommend that you offer the sliding scale at no more than 10% of your caseload size and not until your caseload is 90% full. Yeah. And I think too, and, and just to mention that a little bit, the inequitability, um, one of the story I always like to tell is I had the person that pushed the most for a sliding scale that I've ever had in my private practice was a medical doctor mm -hmm. um and whom I like kept asking do you have a medical leave no I'm just wondering can you do better I'm like no they're like what if I paid you cash I'm like it doesn't matter if you pay me cash I'm still gonna put the money in the bank they're like well you don't have to pay taxes on it if it's cash I'm like no I'm an ethical business owner like what are you talking about mm -hmm. and it was just it really became funny after a little while but what it what it tells you is that often the people who have the most voice to ask for a sliding mm. scale that have the most articulation are sometimes the people that need it the least. Um, some of your clients are working really hard and doing everything financially to make this work, but would never ask for a sliding scale. And someone else may not have their finances together. They may be budgeting in ways that you wouldn't agree with. Right. And they're going to be the first person to ask for a sliding scale because they have more emotional resource to do that. So like, how do we start to remove that bias? It's, it's really important. So I really think, I think it's so important to really understand the bigger picture of this money piece mm -hmm. and create something that's where if all of your clients were in a room together, right? And they were sharing the fee. They weren't just like, well, wait, why are you so much less? Yeah. And why are you so much more? And, right. Ugh. So again, you could do group therapy. You could provide supervision at a local nonprofit. You could sign up for one of the organizations that does give back, but handles the financial screening. So that's taken out for you. You could do speaking, you could do writing on mental health issues mm -hmm. and then help people. You can create videos for people that they could use, you know, tools and techniques that they could use at home to help them with their mental health. There's a lot of ways to give back. And again, we talk about standing in the gap. You are trying to stand in a systemic gap here when you just try to lower your fee for everyone. And some people, when they're starting a private practice, realize that no, they're really passionate about a nonprofit model and what they want to start as a nonprofit, mm -hmm. not a for-profit. And a lot of this podcast is geared towards a for-profit, for though nonprofits can use this because nonprofits still have to make money. Yeah. The way they get that money is through grants versus a for-profit does not. And I think just to talk about that for a moment, if that's a question that you have of, okay, well, what I really need is a nonprofit. Do you want to do client services? If you want to do client services, you probably don't want to start a nonprofit. I know that's kind of a bold statement. But if you are the creator behind a nonprofit, you're the person that's figuring out how to get the grants and how to get the funding. Yes. And you're sitting, pulling the board of directors together and doing all these other things. You'll have very little time for client service. That visionary who's the nonprofit visionary is usually creating something. They're not the service provider. They're the 
they're the visionary they're the the person that creates something and again remembering too that even with all of that even with it providing accessibility those grants often you saw you experienced how well people were paid yeah in those nonprofit models it usually doesn't create room for you to you know pay your student loans right and not be an income repayment right huh all right do you have another question I do okay of course I do um what if I calculated my fee and then I went to check out the insurance panels and my fee is let's say $150 and the insurance panels are only reimbursing $50 $50 or actually we'll, we'll be kind a hundred dollars. What do I do? Well, you have a couple options. You can choose to go a hybrid practice route, which means you take insurance and cash pay clients and you set your cash pay rate to supplement the loss that you're getting from the insurance. How does that feel? Does that feel equitable? Well, and let's talk about the numbers in particular, because I think sometimes they're like, okay, well, what does that really mean in reality? So if half of my people are coming for insurance and they're paying a hundred, right? Right. And I really need it to be 150 for everybody. Then what that means is the other half of the people actually need to be charging $200. Or maybe a little bit more because you're going to have some billing expenses. Yeah. So at, at just for the the general thing, right? 200 versus the insurance and the, the, um, the private pay people are actually subsidizing the insurance, the for-profit insurance contracts. <laughs> now the insurance people, and I, I, I have to remember this number. I apologize. I didn't think to have it in front of me. So in 2020, in the midst of a pandemic, a global pandemic, right? The insurance companies collectively in the United States made more than Amazon did in profits in 2020. And Amazon had one of the most profitable years because people were home ordering stuff from the pandemic. Billions. Do you want to be a part of people who are out there who don't have insurance or choosing not to use insurance that they are that they are actually subsidizing the accessibility so that these insurance companies can continue to pay low rates. Yeah. So you could do something like that. You could change your expenses in your personal life or in your business so that you don't need to make the amount of money that you thought you did. Mm -hmm. You could sacrifice somewhere on your own. Mm -hmm. You could also take more clients if you wanted to do that. So again, sacrificing some of your time and energy in a way that works for you. And clinical care. And clinical care. Because you you decided this amount of clients based on who you could do good clinical work with. You could also decide then that insurance is not aligned with you and continue to seek out panels that are reimbursing at a rate that you can do while you work with lobbyists, your insurance commissioner to advocate for change. Yes. Yes. So if you don't like what you're seeing, if you say yes, Mm -hmm. you're telling the insurance company this is okay. Yeah. If you would like it to be different, then we have to go through advocacy channels, such as lobbying through our associations, 
um, the insurance commissioner, letting them know what is happening. We've had clients who have had a lot of success. Um, I had a client who most of their practice was on a panel. They went to advocate for a fee raise and the panel just dropped them. And it was going to impact not only their business, but truly the community. There was no one else offering services for this panel. And so they went to the insurance commissioner and the insurance commissioner got involved. And lo and behold, they decided to keep her on the panel, <laughs> you know? So there are channels to lobby and to advocate for better systems. And of course, please go out there and vote. Your vote matters in some of these situations in terms of how we do healthcare in our country. And if you're listening in another country, you know, you have your own channels of advocacy as well. Yeah. So those are my top questions. I know I've been um, doing all the questions. What are your questions? Well, actually Kelly? two of yours are on my list. <laughs> okay. So one of the questions is, I'm setting my fee. Do I really need a plan for retirement now when I'm just starting out? Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And I, and I say this from the perspective of even if, even if it's 25 or $50 a month to start getting into that space of realizing how compounding interest works, how important it is to set a foundation um, in advance it's really, really, really important that you be taken care of and that you be doing this work because you want to, because you're capable of it, that you're not doing it because, well, I'm going to be without a home or food if I don't do this work. You want to create some ease for yourself. And I think we're giving clients unrealistic expectations if we're not building in the cost of doing business into our fees, we're basically saying like, you know, <laughs> here's this fee, but you know, it's not really a true fee. Yeah. You know, it's not accurate. It's sort of like, if I'm trying to think of a good example, let's say your kid is like, oh, Hey, I want to order a pizza. And you're like, cool. The pizza is $10. You give me $10 and, and I'll order the pizza for you. But then the pizza, actually, there's a delivery fee, there's taxes, there's tip, and you're standing in the gap of that $17 that's actually getting paid, and your kid always thinks that the pizza is $10. I think it's fine for you to stand in the gap, but realistically, you kind of want your kid to know this is actually what the cost is, and you want to be honest about it so that they can really plan for it. All right, next question. Next question. I started my private practice already and I've booked a few clients and then I set my fee and realized mm. I'm not charging enough. Mm. When do I raise the fee? How do I raise the fee and how often can I adjust? Yes. So what you do is, and let's also go back to this kind of goes into the process part. Let's go into your form consent and let's put something in there that says, my fee can raise and I will give you 30 days notice when my fee raises. Like, let's make sure that's in the informed consent, that that's clear. Um, I talked with someone this last week that were coaching that was like, oh, I put it in that I only, that I reassess in January and I raise my fees in May. It was something that's so random. And they're like, this doesn't actually work for me. I'm like, okay, we can change that right away. Um, here's what, here's how we do that. But let's go back and update the informed consent. 
Number two, let's get confident about the fee by charging new people that new fee. You can start doing that right away. Then let's create a letter for your current clients and say, hey, I, you know, reassess with my business. It's very simple. It doesn't have to be, hey, I messed up. Um, hey, I realize this doesn't work for me. It doesn't have to be any emotional kinds of things. It's just very matter of fact, as of this date, 30 days or 60 days from now, this will be the new fee. Here are our options. We can finish up before that date. I can refer you out um, or we can continue working together um, as of that date. If you have any questions or concerns, let's talk about them in session, right? Very like basic, simple stuff. Um, so often I will see if there's any kind of anxiety about the new fee, scheduling somebody at the new fee can help um, mm -hmm. and make it a little bit easier to have those conversations. So sometimes people will do that for a month or two and then they'll start the transition. But you may figure out that like, oh, I really messed up. Like this really doesn't work and I don't have the luxury or the privilege to, to wait. That's okay. Um, I do think giving people 30 days notice whenever possible. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's good business practice. Um, but realistically, sometimes people are in a scenario where they're like, oh, uh oh. Um, and so sometimes they have to do something a little different, but usually 30 days is, is doable in 99.9% .9 of cases. Um, and then finally, I do think this is where really doing your math is so important because I do think it's a weird thing if you like raise up the fee and then like a month later you raise it again and then two months later you raise it again like that does get awkward like let's be honest and we do find often when people go through our business school um they once they they let our software do the math for them they're like oh I forgot about this 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 and this and so there will be a a shift um so I would rather you move towards whatever that calculation is from the software sooner than later, then sometimes people will say like, oh, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to go $20 this year and I'll go $20 next year, but maybe they're like a hundred dollars off. Like maybe they've only been charging $40 or $60 and they need to be charging 185. By the time you get up to the new fee, it's probably, you know, seven years from now, yeah. um, you're going to be so behind. It's not going to work for you. So I do think getting up to that new fee, you might be surprised. A lot of times we've had clients or our, our coaching clients who've said, oh yeah, my clients were like, yeah, that was weird that you were so cheap. And, you know, oh yeah, I was wondering when you're going to raise your fee. Like it didn't seem very sustainable or like, oh, actually, I think you've had the experience where your client was like, yeah, actually, I think it's time for me to raise my <laughs> I'm going to raise too. my own fees too. So yeah. yeah. And I think when you are starting out knowing that, at least annually, you will be looking over your finances, yeah. but your fee will change when something in your life changes, when something in your expenses changes, and those can be um, unexpected and sometimes not. So know that the fee you start with today is not the fee that you will continue with. So getting in the habit and being comfortable with having these discussions with clients mm -hmm. is a great clinical opportunity. Mm -hmm. We talk about this in business school a lot that mm -hmm. we aren't doing our clients favors by never changing anything because that's not how relationships work. Mm -hmm. Things change, circumstances change, the, the boundaries of a relationship shift. 
And we have a great opportunity that if we've made a mistake or, hey, something has changed to present that to a client, to work through that and in a relationship that has an attunement unlike any other. So this is a great clinical opportunity for you. Yeah. Oh, these are juicy questions. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, Next week, we're going to be diving into a coaching session talking about money. Mm -mm. Somebody very vulnerable is going to be coming in to let us talk about the finances. So I hope that you will dive in and join us for that. Um, And again, we want to hear from you. Is this helpful? Do you have questions that are unanswered? Go and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. And of course, you can go and check us out at zinnime.com forward slash pod where we have freebies and you can learn more about our business school for therapists. See you next time in our coaching session. Have fun with money, y'all. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.